listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by the Envision Advisors at Your Castle Real Estate. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode. So today we're doing a deal analysis on a house hack duplex in Lakewood. So I got Preston Newberry with me. Preston, how's it going? It's going great, Chris. Glad to be back on with you. I know, I am too. And we got a great curveball for this time. It's usually just you and me on podcast. We actually have our clients who close on this property. They will come down to the studio, uh, share some information, talk about the deals and give their perspective since we, I'm sure, forget some details. and Absolutely, this is going to be fun. I'm really uh, looking forward to this one. So, uh, teed up for us. Who are we talking to? All right, so... These are some awesome clients that I got introduced to um, that were looking for their first house hack here in uh, in Denver. So uh, Ivy and Luis, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thank yeah, you, and so you guys were actually on one of the House Hacking Mastermind podcast. Um, right. I think that was House Hack Mastermind number two. But this will all be about just kind of running through running through your deal. So let's start off with like I know normally normally start off with like the property overview, but kind of let's start off with like your guys's goals and background because. Like, did we initially start talking, like, what, right after COVID became a thing? Pretty soon after that, if I recall? Like, like June? Yeah, it was or... about two... Way earlier than that, wasn't it? Was it, it had to be, yeah. I thought it was about three months prior to us closing is when we And you closed started. in August. Yeah, mm-hmm. we closed August 15th. Okay. Um, I, I, I just remember us, or Ivy and I, calling our apartment building and saying, we're not going to renew next year. And then like, okay, we need to figure this out ASAP. So, <laughs> yeah, and it and was we had 60 days it was to... right after some of the COVID stuff started. Cause I know the oh, first yeah. time we all talked was over zoom. So mm-hmm, that's right. True. Yep. Yeah. 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 First was... time we met, you were wearing a mask. Yep. yep. Exactly. <laughs> Cause I remember also too, like in your apartment in Cap Hill, it was quaint for two people to be working from home from there. I think it'd be the the place, what is that? Quaint. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, that, was, that was a challenge. <laughs> yeah, Luis and I were fighting for confer- conference room Especially space. Especially when one computer is a desktop. the kitchen table. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, kind of, so I know when we started talking, you guys knew of house hacking, obviously you're into real estate. Uh, kind of just, you know, retell us and the audience, like, your, your long-term goals and why house hacking, you know, just all that stuff. Um, we felt, you know, for a while, Luis and I had been talking about, um, buying a property and then ideally we wanted a duplex, um, so that we could live on one side and, um, rent out the other. Um, and you know, and the goal would be, yeah, to move in, do owner financing or not owner financing, um, like first time home buyer, um, you know, the loans and, you know, so maybe we, we were planning on, okay, moving in someplace, staying for one or two years and kind of repeating the process. Um, and then as we kind of got into it and started talking to you guys, we realized that maybe we had to shift our strategy and, you know, the looking at a duplex might have been hard to find in Denver in our budget. Um, and so you guys introduced the idea of maybe renting by room or, and other people we had spoken to, too. Yeah. Um, so that's something that Luis and I kind of struggled to make that shift from, OK, um, we had our eyes set on a duplex. Um, maybe we do have to. Um, get roommates and start renting by room. And so Luis and I, we talked about that for a long time. I think, I think it goes back even earlier. Um, before we even thought about buying a house, um, Ivy really started this, but she was listening to a lot of the bigger pockets podcast. Yep. And that's really how we were introduced to this idea of house hacking. Like if you were to tell us the word house hacking, Three years ago, we wouldn't have known what this is, what that was. Um, 
And when we kind of got this idea in mind that we can live somewhere for cheaper than what it actually costs if we were to live there alone, we started saving money without really knowing what we were going to do. And as this, our kind of funds grew and grew and more that we kept saving, we were able to start, I don't know, kind of focusing on how can we use this money, um, knowing we wanted to get out of the rent game yep. and move into, you know, owning at the same time, knowing that like the prices here in Denver were out of our reach for what well, if we were to just buy it as a personal item yep. right um so i think it, it was kind of a long build-up but it really started from listening to podcasts and getting this tiny idea of what we could do with a property with our money and there's so many different options out there right and that's what a lot of people you know kind of get their eyes open to especially when they start you know going down that rabbit hole it's kind of like oh there are a lot of options out there how can i make this work for me it's not just oh, I need to save up 20% and go buy a house. Right. And it, and it clicks. You're like, this makes sense. And yeah. you see, it's like, I'm wasting my time if I'm not doing something. You know, it's like, you can do, yeah, like you said, there's so many di different directions you can go, but just pick one um, because it just makes sense too. Yeah. So I got to ask you guys this question because I get this question all the time and you guys went through this process. Like you start with, you know, Bigger Pockets, which is, you know, a, a great, great podcast, great education platform. But then where... The, the friction runs into is that it's not, you know, it's not focused on the Denver market. Like, hey, you hear a story on here and it's, you know, national stuff, different market. You guys had that perspective. What was the expectation? And then what was the reality check here in Denver? Like, what was the adjustment? Uh, we were looking even out of state um, also okay. because we, yeah, all the... For a house hack or just a pure investment? Just, an, well, both. You know, if it's a house hack, we had to stay here. Yeah, we were looking we're, to move out of Denver, No, right? we weren't. Yeah, at that uh -uh. time, we were doing the, these kind of analysis that's saying okay well if i have to pay 20 percent on a house that costs a third of the price in kansas or something as a house here and where i'm paying five percent down like where am i spending more money but i think where we weren't looking is we were just looking at like what is the cost and we weren't comparing it in this ratio of like where is the sweet spot of what you spend versus what you get back? You know, we were just looking like, oh, that's too expensive. Oh, that's too cheap. Yeah. And we weren't thinking like, yeah, this, what is this actually doing for me. Though, yeah, right? but it will get, yeah, exactly. What is this doing for me? And yep. It, I think that's what really like started getting us back into Denver and then l decreasing our expectations of what could happen just based on the market here in Denver. Yeah. As like a lot of those like, you know, thick burr deals that you see like are or not it's not not going to work here. Yeah, it's yep. So it was it wasn't as much of a reality check, I think, because we weren't so far into it, and I think we started realizing that earlier on in the process before we really had like any money on the table. But when you listen to the podcast, it's like, yeah, I bought this house for like a hundred and fifty grand, and I'm making. $1,200 a month in rent. And I was like, well, that's not going to happen. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. it's not a reality check. Like yeah. I, I knew that from the beginning, it wasn't going to happen. Um, so I was like, oh, maybe we look in our hometown and, you know, South Florida, like Orlando, you know, some where you did where, you actually run numbers back there. Did you get, did you get, um, I get... did spend some time looking okay. um, and you can find stuff in like the two hundreds, you know, and that was looking the, the, the sweet thing with Orlando is we know my, it. we have yeah. family there. So okay. my dad lives there. 
So really, we needed some place where if we were going to do any maintenance on it, we can have someone we trust look at it. You need, exactly. you need, say, a, you need a connection there, Exactly. Right? Yeah. I can't just yeah. have some random contractor tell me, oh, we did all the work and it's, it's good. I need someone I trust to go look at it. So yes. Yep. It really, with that, it really only left us like where we live in Florida, which was our parents lived. And... We made a decision that as the first one, we want to be involved as much as possible because it's not like a money value, but the value you get from being in the middle of it all. It's an education, right? Exactly. There's huge. Mm -hmm. We see it as huge value. And then another thing is when you, if you buy a property in Orlando for 200 grand and you have to put 20% down, or if you buy property here for 400 grand and you put 5% down, it ended up being the same. So we wanted to be involved. Um, yep. We would have ended up spending the same amount of money. Um, so it just made sense to kind of move forward and yeah. where we Ran- are. Random question. And this, I mean, I, I lived in Tampa and Tampa Bay back around like 2010 for a couple of years. I actually looked at buying a condo back then. This was right after the market crashed. Lived, actually, I was living in uh, Clearwater, which is, you know, mm-hmm. a beach town in Tampa yep. Bay. And, you know, just a you know, decent condo and two bedroom place. I remember the, the landlord, he was, you know, willing to sell it. And he mentioned it to me, I ran the numbers, and I just like, I was like, oh, well, just, and I was not sophisticated back then, the numbers just don't make sense, but the thing is, insurance was so high there. I don't know if that was, now, is that because that's, like, you know, they get a lot more hurricanes there than Orlando does, <clears throat> but what's insurance rates like in Orlando? Because, I mean, I remember, in, like, along the coast, it was, I can't remember the exact number, but it was just, like, jogger, like, holy smokes, that's a it's lot It's a money. lot, and to, uh, to be honest, I'm not sure, like, a okay. number percentage, but I know that, for example, my dad's house, he lives in Fort Lauderdale, and on our property here, we pay about two grand a year um, in insurance, and he pays like seven, over seven grand for his wow. single family home. And is it a lot more expensive there? Is it like in like the canal in Fort Lauderdale? Is it like some super high? Oh, the property itself is more comfortable. I mean, okay. is more expensive. Yeah, it's like Fort Lauderdale, like close to the beach. Yeah. Um, so a, but the insurance like, is just because it's yeah. close to the beach and it's in Florida. Yeah. Get a lot of flooding um, too. That's a big one. But when, so going from two to seven, I mean, that's But even that, crazy. it's like when we were doing our analysis, that wasn't even crossing our mind. We were, we were so like, basic. Like proper, <laughs> it was just like, what is the list price? And that's like the and what can one we get thing we're going at. Yeah. Uh, yeah. like well, that's where everyone starts, though. Yeah, I mean, like we, we all, yeah, I mean, we've all been there. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah. so cool. we, we didn't even, we weren't even getting deep enough to like think about those things. It was just like 200,000, you know, uh, 150 for this house. And yep, it was very on the surface kind of analysis mm-hmm. that we were doing. So I see you guys made a decision here to, to house hack. You know, we're recording this November. You guys were closed in house hack number one in August. Yep. Um, so as best you can, like, like talk through the process of like analyzing properties, walking it, like what were the, you know, what were the biggest things you learn? If you can remember, kind of like share with other people yep. that, hey, they see what you guys are doing when repeat it. Like, what are the tips or, like, the things like, oh, yeah, like, we expected this and this happened. Like, what what can you remember from that process of, like, the whole, like, hey, starting to search, starting to analyze, and then the reality check actually walking properties and realizing, wow, MLS photos like Instagram photos. They can right. be filtered and <laughs> photoshopped very nicely. Well, the first thing is just continuing off the conversation is starting to think about things like insurance and yeah. tax, not just the list price and the rent price. Um, and it kind of, you know, even especially when we talk to you, um, and you said, oh, use this Excel sheet, you know, and it started to have things that we should always be thinking about. I think that was a shift in the way, you know, I was like, oh, this is great because um, 
these are things that I wasn't thinking about um, and have real impacts on the numbers, you know, on your bottom line. Um, so that that is when we started going deeper in the process, we started um, maybe just thinking about um, the bigger picture um, and the components in that picture more closely. All right. What am I yeah. I, I mean, I think it was when we first started looking, we didn't, we had, we were like, okay, we're not, we don't want to spend more than 400,000. And we had this hard line number that realistically wasn't based off anything. Like now we look back at it and that, do you even, do you, do you even know where that number came from? Or is it just one of those arbitrary numbers? It was just well, an we wanted to be under 400. Yeah. It was just <laughs> an arbitrary number that again, not thinking in terms of this like balance of what you get per what you spend. We were just thinking, okay, we don't want to be so leveraged. We don't want to be, you know, we only have this yeah, much. You kind of say, Hey, this is what I'm willing to pay every month. Right. right. This, this is, is where, where I'm drawing the line. And, of, and that's where it's at. But, but, the thing is, there was no no evidence or nothing to to support where this line should go. Mm -hmm. It was in our minds, we don't want to spend that, right? Um, but not even thinking of it in loan terms, like, hey, you know, if you spend an extra twenty thousand, you're, you're it's an extra twenty bucks or whatever it is. We, yeah, yeah. We weren't even thinking of it in that terms. So as soon as we started, like one of the first thing we realized, it's like we're not going to be able to afford what we want with this price, like. Um, we got to expand the horizon a little bit. Yes. Yep. So, um, right away, like basically none of the properties we were looking at fit what we wanted and, you know, we want a house. And hack. what were your, like, what were the requirements looking for? Like the, the main bullet points, what was some of your criteria? Well, in the beginning, it was a duplex. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> our criteria, it wasn't, you know, our criteria was really making money from a property and we were willing to put up with whatever came out of that in order to get that in order to make money from a property, we were willing to do whatever it took. So, but obviously we liked the idea of having our own place and that's where we started. We said, we want a mm -hmm. duplex. We can offset the cost, but we don't have roommates. Essentially. We, we, you know, we have our own yeah, kitchen, we have our own space, yeah. yeah, our private space. And then we started the search and I think right in the beginning, Ivy and I kind of got discouraged and thinking like, we're not, this is not going to be able to, we're just not going to do it. And we changed our mindset to say, okay, well, we're going to have, we're going to go for the five, six bedroom houses and we're going to live with roommates. Right? Oh yeah. Remember we, yeah, yeah, we explored that for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think yeah. those were the first well, couple properties that we yeah. looked at. All yeah. of them, yeah. all of them actually, because yeah. we had kind of given up on the duplex idea because we were looking, you know, you're sending us properties through the MLS and then we would see um, something for $450,000 and I'd be like, okay, you know, so I'd open it and it was half the duplex. Just one, yeah. Yeah, just one side of the duplex. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Like, and I told Luis, so I was like, I think we have to, um, you know, consider the rent by room. And we, we talked about that. Um, and so that's and what you guys were showing us was single family homes that we could yeah. possibly rent or have yeah. like a mother-in-law suite. Um, and then it became for us this balance of like, okay, we know we're willing to do what it, you know, whatever it takes to make money. But if we can be more comfortable and make the same amount of money, then why would I not choose that? And it was this like, okay, at how much are we willing to? What is trade? that break even point, right? Exactly. Like and I think our sweet spot we found was okay. We're gonna take the duplex, but we took the basement from the duplex. So like, we're renting the nicer part to make more money, but it's still our own space, right? Yes. And I, I think that's more valuable um right. especially if you're a couple i, I don't 
You well, know, like, especially yeah. a couple during COVID right now. Like, right. Just like, yeah. Yeah. Mind you, all this took place during COVID, yeah. right? So yeah. <laughs> I think like if, if it's like I'm a single guy, it's like, I don't care. I'll live with 50 people. But, yep. I, you know, right. during COVID, when you have to work from home, when you it's a couple, then these things you have you, standards. Though, yeah, right? you have yeah. To, like you can't just like throw those things out the yeah. window. Well, especially they don't coming from the condo you guys were living in and knowing how small that space was. And oh kinda, yeah, you know, obviously what you guys had learned about what was important <laughs> living in a small place, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, you definitely learn. <laughs> yep, yep. So let's talk about this, and um, it's like like most I whole house hacks. You know, we found this you know on the MLS because that's usually the best place to find house hacks. So Preston, I mean, you you helped find this. Actually, the listing agent is a friend of ours. Is really a friend of yours that you played like little league with? Yeah, league with <laughs> it's, a, it's a small world. Yeah, I grew and up I with him and his family. Some deals and just happened he happened to be the listing agent on there. So kind of introduced the property and and set that up for us. Yeah, so this is a, a really cool duplex over on the west side of town in Lakewood, um, over off of West Colfax. Um, it had been on the market for a little while. Obviously, you know, in COVID times, you know, it was kind of the beginning of all that and little uncertainty there and um yeah so you know great property really love location it's actually not far from where i grew up and uh, so i know the area really really well and reached out to the agent and said hey you know what's going on and let's try to put a deal together so um that was really fun to be able to work with pat on this um you know it's just a really really good deal i think so and the layout it's it's an up down duplex it's an up down duplex one bath on both correct yep two bed one bath on each level um there's a single decat single car detached garage um, you know, big yard up front, plenty of parking, stuff like that. So, um, you know, needs a little bit of updating. That's there's some upside there for sure. I think yep. at some point um, for these guys to go in and update some stuff and whatnot. But um, overall, the property was in pretty good condition. So, so from your guys, I know you walked it, but you got our contract, you know, and all that stuff. Like as you're doing the numbers, um, you I think did the wise, smart thing. You're living in the you know the the less desirable unit to maximize rent. Um, went under contract, and there's obviously some inspection issues that came up. Let's talk about that. And let's talk about then once you close to just, you know, how you handled it and other things that have popped up or not popped up because we were finalizing numbers before here just to like, you know, realizing, hey, this is this and making sure the numbers fine tuned for here. So as you guys walked, it was your impression. What'd you like about it? What scared you? Well, when, if, as soon as we l- walked it, I think we liked it, um, especially from this was, the first duplex we were able to tour um after we kind of had given up on the idea and even so after searching after touring the regular like single family homes we would go back to our apartment and kind of do a little calculation of say if we wanted to turn this into a duplex well you know what or what are we looking at here um and it would just blow the budget so once we found that place after already looking at five or six houses it was pretty like right away that we're like this is a we we like this it, it was a quick decision yeah i yeah. mean it's it was less expensive than some of the some of the single family homes we were looking yep. at um and it was the only duplex that we looked at you know so it just made sense um it was already you know i don't think originally it was supposed to be an up and down duplex somebody yeah, like, converted it before us yeah it's a you know it's a converted home mm-hmm. but there's separate entrances to each unit, which that was a huge thing for us because yes. as whatever, it's converted, but it truly acts as a it, duplex. It absolutely lives as a duplex. Yeah. yeah. They, well, that's and, what I was going to praise that too, because I remember there was... Yep. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, I mean, I th- we had, I think, like 13 minutes to tour it. Um, 
And then we walked outside and I was like, we'll do it. <laughs> Preston said, why don't yeah. you sleep on it? <laughs> yeah, he was like, just sleep on it. I'm like, all right, I'm going to sleep and have the same yeah. answer. Guess what? <laughs> Next morning it was, yeah, we're still good with it. Yeah. <laughs> was your, did you have the same gut reaction as Louise? Um, I did. Uh, okay. You know, for the reasons I already said, you know, it was the only duplex we saw. It was less than some of the single family homes we saw. Great. Lo- it was the best location we saw. Yeah, location by far the best. Yeah. Let's talk yeah. about because I like the location, but I mean, you guys talk about that. For, I think it's a good location now, but the long term upside is just. Yeah, there's I mean, it's, it's right along the Colfax Corridor, the West Colfax Corridor, and there's a lot of uh, like development. Like, what's happening along mm-hmm. there? Like, talk about the big Laguna development, all that. Like, it's such a cool area. Yeah, there's just a lot of commercial properties and stuff over there that are getting converted. There's new businesses coming in. There's a little shopping center. There's, you know, just kind of everything we see, you know, as the gentrification kind of happens as things move west. Um, and you're right between Denver and the mountains. You're right between Denver and Golden. Um, you know, so it's just a, a really good, solid location with everything they've got going on over there. And obviously, after you guys have lived there for a little while now, what do you guys think of the area? Do you, you know, how's the location for you guys? It's great. I mean, uh, we knew that was like, it was an up-and-coming location because there's an art district right there. And when there's an art district, yep. you know um, that things yep. are coming up, you know. So we were like, oh, galleries. Like, this is a good sign, you know. Um, galleries and good coffee, right? Yes, oh, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, And we, we also are think but our property is zoned as mixed use development so i know what that means like i understand what a mixed use zoning development means which to me it just plays stronger into this future upside where if you know colfax really does become this really hot avenue and some big developer wants to come and buy out the whole block well then that's where you like, definitely have a more advantageous zoning right than somebody exactly. with a, you know or it gives you house. one other exit strategy yeah exactly Keep it as a rental sell it one day or hey you might get that that big development that's a, i think that's the, it's it's the flexibility that it'd give us yeah. if we ever say like hey let's add another adu in the back let's yep you know let's demo this whole thing and build four or five apartments here um so like the neighbors are all these small multifamily. so that was a big one. So I think um, there is work to do, but it's the upside on it is something that we're. There's a lot of, of different opportunities that yeah. can present themselves mm-hmm. later on, especially down the road. in the future. Yep. Yeah. So one under contract uh, pr- list price was in around four thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, Press honestly, you, you took lead in the contract. Um, as always, we did the inspection. You guys hired an inspector, do all that stuff. What were the inspection issues, and walk us walk us through that. Yeah, so this house has been a rental for a long time. I mean, the same people had owned it for many, many years. Um, there was definitely some deferred maintenance and some issues with it, obviously being older. Oh, yeah. um, you know, there was a little bit of a problem with the sewer line, um, some ungrounded electrical outlets. I mean, typical stuff that we see in an older house, especially something like this. Um, you know, I don't think there were any real major structural issues, just a lot of little things that needed to be sorted out. Um, but at this price point, that's kind of what we're going to see in this market, right? I mean, we see a lot of sellers just not doing much to upgrade their properties because they know it's a hot market and and they can they you know they it. can get away with it. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the um, fact that there was no water damage, no structural yeah, issues. Yeah, there was no that, major structural mm-hmm. or, or, you know, big issues. And so that, I think, was a huge plus. Well, I think something, too. I mean, brief, like your guys' background, like you, you're, you know, you're kind of, you know, not at this level, but the bigger lock, you guys have experience with construction development, like yeah. mm-hmm. how that play into your attitudes. Well, I think it's... It, it, uh, like we I, we know how construction works but coming from the architecture side like we want to do more and sometimes 
what you do in architecture does not make sense in terms of a rental property. Like yeah. the things, the finishes you want, the it's just it, it, the cost to what you your return does not make sense. So it was almost I'm not gonna say like a crutch, um, but it was something that we always have to keep in mind. Is like okay, keep it like keep it simple. You gotta put your you other gotta, set of glasses on, yeah, right? Just mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. So. That's it's something that Ivy and I go back on the time. She's like, "Oh, I want to, you know, make this really nice, redo the kitchen." I'm like, "But we want to be out of here in less than two years." On the no. flip side, Luis will say, "Oh, I want to build a whole patio in the back and pour concrete," <laughs> and I'm like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> you remember what you told me last week, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. on the flip side, you know, um, you know, yes, I was in, I was doing custom high-end homes, so you do have to take a step back and say, "Well, I'm not going to do custom cabinetry here, obviously." That's yeah. totally, Home Depot I mean, that's not a yeah, rental grade. You're talking to a high forever end home. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but we are but it was good still, just we're not intimidated by construction projects. So these minor things that have to be done in the house, we're like, okay, well that I'm that's fine, you know. Yeah. Um talking to a contractor doesn't intimidate yeah, it's, us. It's I think it's more of like when let's say we call an electrician over and he's talking to me about how the the 40 amp panel and the I can follow the conversation, you know, I can ask the right questions mm-hmm. and I'm not just like, okay, sounds good. Sounds good. I can, yeah, whatever you say, <laughs> yeah, I can yeah. somewhat argue back with them and say, well, why, why would you not do it this way? Seems like this is simpler if we do this, if you know, so we can have these types of conversation. I think, I think that's like the biggest help. Um, that's a big advantage for you. Guys. Yeah, it, yeah, it really is. So yeah, I just, I, I think it eliminates the the possibility of getting taken advantage of or, um, you know, just pricing some, even something that I'm like, well, that price doesn't seem right. I've seen that done before. And just being for, able to look at all the options, right? You know, yeah, and kind exactly. of know what to explore and what's going to make the most sense. Yeah. Or so, having that network, too, of people, um, you know, since we're in the industry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Asking our friends who, who work in it, like electricians or yeah, yeah. anybody, subcontractors. So it was minor inspection concerns, but you said there was, you know, so there's a punch list of items. Yeah, and um, the sellers were actually, you know, pretty good to work with. I was definitely expecting them to play hardball, but they were nice enough. You know, they went in, they cleaned the sewer lines, they had everything rescoped, everything looked, you know, better than it did the first time we went in. So that was good. And then they, you know, contributed a little bit of a seller concession to help out with some of the minor items. So they that's could more for like electrical work, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so before we get the numbers and financing, I know you guys have closed. You've done some of the work now, like kind of. Give us the scope of work you've done since you, you moved in there. Like, you know, what what have you done? What haven't you done? What's been the surprises? That type of stuff. We've done so little. <laughs> really, like, yeah, we really haven't done much. There was um, nothing urgent to do. Yeah, like, from the inspection, we didn't feel like none of what he was telling us is something that keep, would keep us from renting the place or keep us from living in it. It's nothing yeah. hazardous, nothing that would affect our health or is dangerous um we did the electrical though um because that was we switched for... out like three outlets but yeah, most yeah there were a the... couple two-prong outlets so yeah. switch them out ground them so really in terms of so that's a few hundred dollars at most then. oh yeah i mean the biggest cost item we've done today is install radon mitigation and that was a thousand dollars but besides that it's been most of mostly just us doing work on the yard um it's just outside the housework for now and trying to clean a lot of debris and o- yeah. overgrown. There was so much um, junk. <laughs> but really, like, we haven't done much to the house. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, and we've we've talked about it. Not I mean, one expense coming up is um, the trees. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we were. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, so the trees have not been maintained. There's like a massive um, apple tree in the back. There's a big apple tree in the front. Um, there are a whole bunch of elm trees that just never got um, cut, and so they just grow, grow, grow. Um, and it's to the point where we're nervous that they might affect our our neighbors, um, you know, because we get such large windstorms. Yeah. Um, so we've been getting some quotes on cutting those trees or we have a lot of um, dead branches kind of, um, you know, fighting for airspace. And there's already a branch that like a huge branch that broke and it's just like kind of dangling, just waiting to fall. So yeah. there are things like that. that um, so that's why our focus has been the yard. It's just like it was like a jungle um, when we bought it. And so that's been right, our focus. Like right when we bought it, our first our priority was just get the other unit as ready as we can, as yeah. quickly as we can. And we're running out ASAP, right? Which we we got it rented out like 14 days after we closed. But that was lucky. Well, we we deep cleaned the carpets. Um, We didn't think they needed to be changed. Um, We deep cleaned the house. We did it all ourselves. So cleaning was really um, where most of the time was invested. Um, And then we had a friend whose um, sister was looking in Lakewood and she had a property maybe like two minutes or she had she was renting two minutes away from us. Um, but she needed to move out and she wanted something bigger. Um, and so it was just lucky that we had, um, you know, somebody who was already kind of looking in that area and it was a sister of a friend. So we got really lucky in that aspect. Um, and that, I think that's why we were able to rent it out so quickly. I think it's like half luck. The other <laughs> half is like, we were, that's what we were trying to do. Yeah. It's not like, it didn't just randomly happen. No, like but we were looking to fill that place. It's also a good yeah. rental in a good location. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Of course. It's like it, lucky in terms of the timing and how we got it so quick, but it's like that's what we wanted. That was to the do. plan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's dive in some numbers here. So yeah. Um. So this got appraised as a duplex, one FHA. So you guys got three point five percent down. Got a few thousand dollars back in seller concession, and since it is an FHA loan. You have to pay monthly, uh, you know, monthly mortgage insurance. That's just part of the game. Um, so let's pull up the spreadsheet here. Yeah. This is actually one of the things we were just getting the numbers finalized on here as we were getting this started. And, of course, for a lot of the, you guys listening on the podcast out here, check the blog post, and you can see these screenshots and follow along here. So we're using the typical Joe's rental spreadsheet. It shows 4% in there. It's really 3.5 just because that's the way it, you know, rounds from the display standpoint. Monthly paid, 435 purchase. I mean, you guys said this is the things we were talking about is you guys were very low all in cash. I mean, it was around fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars and the day was like total cash to close, right? Mm-hmm. Which was a lot less than you guys originally expected, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, so a nice pleasant surprise. Yeah. Yes. One of the <laughs> I, I think one of the biggest surprises from you know, going from really not knowing anything to be being fully in the middle of it is from the get go. We were just thinking we we're going to spend so much money, and the reality what was your was, expectation. Yeah, like, what, what did you have like roughly? We ballpark? set aside forty thousand dollars to, and we honestly thought we were going to spend every single dime of it um, to acquire the property, as well as we just had assumed about like five to ten thousand dollars worth of initial. Repair. Repairs that we weren't going to be able to get out of. We're like, whatever property we can afford, it's going to take this much money. And that yeah. just, just was not the case at all. So let me ask you this. If you guys would have known a year ago that you could have bought a house for t- less than $20,000, would that have changed your plan at all? 
I, for sure. I think I. it's like as soon as you get into the real estate game, I think the first thing you think of is like, why didn't I do this sooner? Yep. Yeah, you that's know? pretty much everyone's thought. Yeah, especially <laughs> like if you've been tr like in a Denver market, if you've been tracking, um, you know, year per year price increase, you're like, man, if I could have got in a year ago, two years ago, you start doing these six math. months ago. Yeah, you right? start doing like, this math of like, well, I could I could be here, I could be here. So, I bet that's like what everyone who gets into real estate starts thinking. It's like, why didn't I do this earlier? Especially oh. if you're getting into like the investment side of it, right? Well, we would have had the money like two years ago, and then this one would have been our second one. You yep. know, so yeah. yeah, exactly. But you just get so scared because you don't know what you don't know. And even if you do say, well, it only costs 15 grand for you to buy a house, you say, well, I need to have 30 just in case, you know? So it is um, about is the, that security. That's the good prudent thing to, to do. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. So all together, about 15,000 total cash to close. And that was, yep. hey, the seller credits help cover some of your closing costs. So that's why it's really just your total down payment on there. And what, between some of that minor stuff you did and sounds like the tree trimming stuff, what, you might be like five, six grand in some repair costs here the first six months? Yeah, probably. I think we're going to reduce, like, that sounds about right. Yeah, okay. yeah, five, six grand. And again, you guys are doing some, you know, just some sweat equity yourself, just oh, yeah. cleaning, doing that stuff. So that doesn't show up on the spreadsheet, but you guys are doing that to, you and, know, obviously save money. For and, sure. And the plan is in the basement. That's where we're at. Um, it's, it is outdated. I mean, everything works fine, um, but we do want to do some, like, cosmetic um, stuff before we move out so that we like can... what give us the bullet point like the bathroom um... like the bathroom has a closet door into it uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like not a, a door <laughs> like a bifolding it's door. actually pretty funny the first time we went and walked this property where yeah. i was like hey guys check this out <laughs> <laughs> it's a bifold closet door it doesn't lock yeah. um there's, there's no like vanity. big like half inch gap so i went and put like a door trim uh all around so at least you get some privacy yeah um the refrigerator is just kind of in the middle of the space it could be like pushed into a cabinet. So it's minor things. But what are you guys um, estimating in terms of just kind of like cost between doing a budget, doing some DIY? Like, what do you think it'll take it to get that cosmetic written ready for 18 months from now? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. We, <laughs> so figure I it think, out. Yeah, we talk think, about it all the time. What do we want to spend? Um, yeah. And I think the way we would go about it is set a number not to exceed and what can we get within that number because ultimately the number is what's most important um so what can we get within that number and just be smart about it and trying to like squeeze out as much value as we can out of that because whatever that number is is going to take away from how quickly you can go do the yep, second one right exactly. so yep. yeah it's mm -hmm. all about that strategic planning and getting the most for your money but the yep. good thing is that it's all it's all cosmetic really so in the bathroom it would you know, they have one of those like single sinks. Um, so we want to do a vanity. Um, yeah. We want to switch out the toilet because I think it's literally as old as the houses. Um, yeah, it's probably like a three gallon flush toilet. And like seven gallon. It's oh, so, yeah, it, yeah. yeah it, seriously, it's yeah, massive. It's... And then never flushes completely. Like, there's not enough. <laughs> I think, you so know, that like... sounds like a, a, a do it pretty soon project. Yes, yeah. and yeah. like from for a, Christmas. <laughs> from a tenant's perspective, if we were to move out, there's not enough like storage in the. There's two closets and that's it. Um, so building like a vanity and the bathroom, just anywhere we can get more storage, I think is a is a good, yeah. is something we need to do for that bottom unit. 
or in the kitchen, um, maybe like redoing the backsplash because the the walls down there, they're like a plaster. It's so like popcorn-y, you know, it, it, it's yep. everything's so textured, it's textured. And, and it gives it this outdated look. So, you know, if, if we can actually give the um, kitchen like this kind of facelift um, to where it doesn't feel as outdated as it, as it is. Um, I think that would make a huge difference. The floor down there, and that's the thing. It's like how far do you go? Because it yeah. can it can go so far. Don't go too far down well, the ramp. Uh -huh. Because obviously he he walks rentals a lot. What would your what would you do, Preston? If that was your rental, like what would you do down there? Like what? Would I mean, I would set a budget not to exceed five grand at the most. Yep, that's what we're okay. Um, so you think it's that? I mean, that's that's pretty low for yeah yeah. yeah. That's what I we mean, were thinking. especially we because they can do a lot of the work themselves. But you know, with as cheap as you can find stuff now, like you know, at Home Depot or some of these, you know, used you know. Used stores, um, you know, I think that they could really go in and spruce the place up for less than five grand. Okay, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, bunch it's got a paint, bunch of yeah, a bunch of paint, little and trims, move some stuff around. Um, if I remember correctly, too, it had a really big laundry room. Yep. Um, which I think could be utilized, uh, you know, for some storage and stuff like that, which I think would be helpful. I mean, so again, put some shelves up. Yeah, just put some shelves. Yeah, up. Again, it's not stuff do. that you know is going to cost a lot of money, but it will definitely help and and make the space seem a lot better for a tenant when they come and take a look at it. Mm -hmm. Great. Agreed. So, back to the spreadsheet. You're about pleasantly about fifteen grand all in. Say about ten grand over next year, maybe to get it all up, up to speed. Mm -hmm. So you know, twenty five grand plus you guys have reserves. So that's phenomenal. And I think uh, another thing to mention is we're doing this together. So when you see fifteen grand, it's really just seven and a half for me. Um, you know, it's seven and a half for her. That's so. insane. What you think about? Like, that's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So, like, especially if you're a couple and you're going in this together, like, and and you guys are going to split it, just realize it's like half of these numbers you're looking at, right? It's it caught like I spent eight thousand dollars out of my pocket to it signed a bunch of papers, yeah, to have a property that I can rent out, yeah, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like that'll be a half million dollar asset. In yeah, that's pretty years. crazy. Yeah. yeah. The so. profit is split too, you know, but yeah. <laughs> don't talk about that. <laughs> um, so we got the spreadsheet says a duplex. This is numbers for obviously once you guys move out, which is how we like to analyze things. Hey, you're living there, moving in and moving out of a future rental. Yep. So unit one is the top unit for fifteen fifty. Is that what you got your current rent at? No. And 15. I think fifteen hundred. But I think something important to um mention is that we were when we first started, we were thinking of maybe upgrading the top unit because we were we were thinking, oh, can we get more rent? Yeah. Um, but in the end, we realized that um, if we were to put money into that, we wouldn't get that much more rent for it, and it didn't make sense. It was full. It was rent ready, um, yeah. pretty much. It just had to. It needed a deep cleaning. Um, but we could have updated the fixtures in there and updated the carpet, and it really wouldn't have gotten us um, that much more. And that would have pushed our time. It would have pushed the time of not getting rent. So in the end, it was just worth it to maybe get a lower rent, like fifteen hundred, but just getting somebody in there asap, um, and then deferring all that upgrade and renovation that we were thinking of doing maybe for the future, if it makes sense. No, that makes sense. And I mm -hmm. think that's the smart move. And that's the analysis you have to yep. do is like, hey, we can spend 10 grand and do it in here, but for an extra $50 a month in rent? Right, exactly. No. Yeah. Uh -huh. well, even, yeah, for sure that. And then it's also the time math, right? It's okay, if I can get someone in here for $100 cheaper, but three months earlier, well, at the end of it, you that's know, an extra that's 4,500 bucks. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, the time it just becomes so much more. It's like, so then we made the decision of we need to get someone here as fast as possible, rather than for the highest cost as possible. Yep. Mm -hmm. I'll make a 
Side note to listeners, for I hope uh, future house hackers are listening last few minutes because your guys' analysis on there is the right thought process on there and something that uh, a lot of people make a mistake on. So, I mean, good on you guys for... Right. And we almost made it. Yeah. <laughs> and how are you guys handling utilities between the two units then? So we charge them a flat fee of $90 a month. Okay. Um, and that, that includes... Including the 1500 No. 1500 plus 90 1500 plus 90, plus 90 yeah. And that That's includes like everything? Yeah. Basically, yeah. Um, so we what I what I did is I called Excel and I kind of asked for the average for the past year. Um, and so they, you know, I kind of I took the number off of that and then trash and recycling. Um, and then since we're doing lawn stuff ourselves, you know, we don't really pay for lawn maintenance. Um, so yeah, and but you know, I think ninety is as low as it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, you I, could go higher than that. Because what I think happened is I think the basement was vacant for a lot longer. Um, than the top unit. And so the average might be skewed because there weren't actually two units two being units, occupied. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think sure. that we might raise it to 100 at least um, when the lease is up. We did an eight-month lease contract um, rather than a year. And that's because we wanted to be able to reevaluate earlier if we needed to, if we realized, Smart. hey, we completely underpriced the electrical and it's 400 bucks a month and we're just eating it um you know we want to be able to reevaluate sooner than but that's only like, 200 bucks for you yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> so we got 1590 for the top unit and on the initial spreadsheet when we analyzed this property we had 1450 on move out for the basement you guys live now is that still what you're thinking yeah okay mm-hmm. So plus, all the other- plus utilities or is that gonna do you think include i think it wouldn't include utilities so another 90 bucks, 100 yeah. bucks? Call it 100, I would say. Yeah. yeah. Maybe like 15, I, 50. I, yeah, I mean, I think $100 a month in utilities is pretty common and pretty acceptable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so then you're looking at a dollars $3,140 combined rent and utility bill back income. We get our standard assumptions of 5% vacancy, 3% rent, 3% appreciation. So pretty conservative, you know, higher vacancy and lower growth rates. And one thing I guess we could add, it's not a separate unit, but once we move out, what we plan to do is the garage is for whoever wants it for another hundred bucks a month. So So let's add that in here. I'm just going to add that to the bottom one to give you 1650 because that's a really good point that we often forget to talk about is garages. Mm -hmm. They bring an extra money. Yeah. Yeah, And then the pictures I showed you guys, how we did the garage, the, the plan is to leave that. So... Whoever comes, it's like fully ready to get all your gear, like all your bikes yeah. have a place, all your ski gear, all your stuff. I mean, for everything our, but your car, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. everything but your car. Because it's Colorado. Everybody <laughs> has all the outdoor stuff. Yeah. Um, but that would be something we I mean, also look to rent as the garage separately from it's whoever wants it, right? Yep. Yeah, and just and, tack on the rent. Yeah. And they can do what they want. If they want to stick their car in there and not have any storage space because it's a small garage, then they can do that. Um, or they can have it as storage. And yeah, it's just one more uh, stream of income. So we got no to property management because you guys are going to self-manage as you move out. Yeah. 8% is our go-to for repairs and maintenance. That sounds like the stuff you're doing. I think this is a very realistic number. Mm-hmm. Taxes are 1936. Insurance revenue at twelve. Uh, 1250 sounds like a little bit because didn't you mention earlier you're closer to 2000 or my yeah that's right you're right no but that they know 2000 is with our car oh that's, <laughs> true, that's true with your auto policy okay yeah, yeah. Like, this was from the closing it. statement yeah okay that's uh-huh. what yeah. i mean that's an exact right. number mm-hmm. yeah. okay it's even less so you're you're 1200 and change for your 
policy, which is great. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's fill in utilities on here because it sounds like since we're including utilities up top, we got to put the expenses down here. Either yeah. don't include them or do include them for. So should we just kind of average out twenty four hundred dollars for the year? You think for for all for you know water? Yeah, that I mean, sounds good. I feel two hundred like... times twelve. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know how much it costs because we got in at, I think, a cheap time of the year where we're not running AC, or we don't have AC, we're not yeah. running heat, we're not doing much. Heat's where, not that, your gas, right? Yeah, we're, yeah, at, we're that really, that first month, the tenant's $90 covered our everything. Like Our heat is gas? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love so, that we take care of that. Um, <laughs> Good teamwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. Twenty four hundred. I I like when I do my numbers. I like being more conservative. Yeah. Just well, so plug it's always so like, yay. We want water. <laughs> water. Is there irrigation out there? No. No. Okay, because that's going to be a big difference. So, what's your average water bill right now? Like forty five. Okay, so we'll just say what I mean fifty for the year, or I'm sorry, fifty per month. Yeah. yeah. Twelve times fifty, so six hundred bucks a year. What's your trash a month or quarter? Do you $26. know? Twenty six dollars. Trash and recycling. So 26 times 12, so 312. What's been your Excel bill so far? You said like... The first month it was $25, but the second month it was 120 I don't know. Because now we're running the heat more. Yeah. Um, so 120 during the winter months. I would um, average probably about 150 bucks a month. Yeah. yeah. to be safe, yeah. yeah. So 12 times 150 $1,800 for the year. And then on here, this is for when you move out. We got five hundred dollars in in landscaping snow removal. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming you have to hire someone to do that, or work them with your tenants to make sure that's taken care of. Mm-hmm. Um, other five hundred dollars from us updating. I think probably take that out, right? Because we got that in the repairs and maintenance. Is yeah. how I would underwrite that because that's not like an operating expense. That's more of a repairs expense. So I have a question for you guys. Um, do you? find yourself uh, relying on the tenants to do landscape work, you know, or do you think it's just easier to charge them and have somebody who actually maintains it that you can count Depends on? Depends on the situation and your mm-hmm. personality yep. for me. I just don't want to deal with anything on it, so I'd rather pay someone to do it. Mm-hmm. Um Because you know it'll be done. And yeah. I think a lot yeah. of it depends on the tenant, too. What I've seen some owners do is, hey, this is, you know, what my landscaping charges are or whatever, but if a tenant's willing to take on that, you know, some of that work, cool, I'll give you a reduction in rent or, you know, work out some kind of credit or something. So I think a lot of it too, especially since you guys are going to self-manage, mm-hmm. just depends on the tenants. But I would definitely budget something for landscaping and snow removal. That way, again, we're conservative. We've got it in there and it's not going to be a surprise if you guys right. end up, you know, doing that. And the map for these stories, I mean, not from these other investors, like, oh, my tenants have been there for 10 years and they have a garden out back and they take care right. of everything. It's yeah. like, you know, they, they have that passion for it. Mm-hmm. Yep. For me... I want everything I own to be zero-scaped because I just don't want to deal with it. But that's my personality. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of depends on the tenant you get as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Side note, I shoveled snow for the first time, like, last week. How'd that in go his for life. You? Like, in your life? <laughs> my life, yeah. Yeah? Because, like, should have lived snow shovel for a closing <laughs> yeah, <yesterday>. Seriously. <laughs> lived in, like, lived in Florida my whole life. Yeah. Then moved here, lived in an apartment for four years. Did you have to run out and buy a shovel? Or did yes. you? Yeah. <laughs> I had to... Like, well, what do I do now? What do I do with all this white stuff? I even, my coworker. You gotta take off your flip flops, huh? Well, my coworker was making fun of me because I had to watch a YouTube video first. (laughs) Because I was like doing it like a shovel where like I'm scooping it. And then the video was like, no, you just push. Just don't scoop. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so much easier. Well, that's (laughs) the snow here in Colorado is push it. Like some, I grew up in the Mid Atlantic on Virginia and it's like, it's whatever. It's like, it's actually like, 
shovel. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's out here in crate. I was, uh, I was like, well, welcome to Colorado, yeah, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I remember the sun comes out the next day and melts all anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so we're gonna go to the cash flow tab on here. Restates all the inputs, but scrolling down on here, we're showing an annual cash flow of about five thousand per year. Now it won't be exactly amount because this has the estimated uh, PMI in here, um, but about five thousand dollars a year in cash flow when you move out. So five thousand divided by fifteen thousand dollars down is a damn impressive cash on cash of thirty three percent. That's like phenomenal. So we are looking at returns about five thousand cash flow. 33% cash on cash return, 6.3 cap rate, and an overall ROIQ based on cash flow, appreciation, depreciation, debt pay down of 200%, yep. which is amazing, but it's because you put so little down and you were able to use the seller credits. Yep. Um, now, again, 85% return appreciation doesn't mean the house is going up 85%. We're saying the house is going up 3% in value. If it goes up by that next year, it's a thirteen thousand or thirteen thousand dollar increase. Thirteen thousand divided by fifteen thousand cash in, it's at eighty five percent number. So that's always a question we get. But yep. and this is where the math gets just almost like unbelievable because you put so little down. Yeah, which is the cool thing about house hacking. So I want to come back and do one thing. We got five thousand cash flow. I always like to say, hey, let's include property management. Because this is, you know, always like long-term, worst-case scenario. Mm-hmm. We're going to put in a 10% figure. Most PMs charge 7 8%. Then we round up a couple percent to handle lease-up fees and that stuff. Your cash flow is still $100 a month or $1,200 a year. Drops it to 5.4 cap rate, but you're still cash flowing and can be completely hands-off hands investing. Yep. So you guys got some great strategies. Hey, hands-off or be hands-on to make an extra few thousand dollars a year. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this was awesome. a great, great house hack number one. Well, it's like a cap rate in Denver that is like, uh, don't go below this in terms of That's that such you a see. a question, Preston. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, okay, not don't go. I guess I, What's I see a what good you're saying, cap rate but it's like, so in Denver. I will tell you for this part of town, um, because cap rates vary a lot on location, right? Um, for this part of town on the west side in Lakewood, um, anything above like a four and a half or a four point eight cap is going to be like, hey, you, you got a good deal, pretty over darn there, good. right? Um, you know, kind of our middle of the road kind of baseline that we always like to shoot for is where five five percent, right? So you know, depending on location and and things like that, you know, it'll kind of vary from there. But you know, anything above a five cap in Denver, especially on this part of town, awesome. And about in general, about the lowest for house hacking usually around about four percent. Yep. And this kind of comes down to if someone's buying in like a nicer, you know, a a, a higher priced, you know, you know, area that's already like popped or transition, mm-hmm. like you know, in, in closer downtown or near the mm-hmm. Highlands or something yep. like that. Those would be like a four percent to low four. Um, so a lot of it just depends on the area of town. But like for this part of town, with and this is with property management and you know pretty conservative underwriting, this is a very very good cap rate. Okay. So, yes. Because yeah. Be I guess... Yeah, we're happy were, for sure. Good. Oh, for sure. <laughs> as you were putting in the numbers and you said you'd, you know, you'd cash for $1,000, 100 bucks a month, completely hands for hands off. If that's the case, then it's like, does it make sense to go out of state or where I can find a 12% cap rate place and I'm completely hands off? You so, just need more money down. It's a right? very loaded question because... 
the thing is there is you have to also look at like you know you put three and a half percent down that's not a an investment loan that is right. to help a first-time home buyer buy a property so there's that perspective of it that's true yeah. the other perspective i've got we got a lot of investors um many go out of state and a lot end up bringing their money back to denver because they have a lot of issues with like three months of vacancy or higher repairs and maintenance and unless you're in that situation where hey you can buy in orlando or you've got your trusted you know like family on the ground mm -hmm. there's usually a lot bigger variance for like issues to go wrong and we see a lot poor return so mm -hmm. like on paper a lot of times it looks good but what i always advise to people unless you're willing to really like go out there and travel and develop those relationships or you've got that advantage on the ground okay you've been there and you got family it can make sense but going to you know indianapolis or ohio where you guys are just googlers google mm -hmm. searches uh-huh there's a lot more risk up there and no place you're getting 12 percent cap rates right now and there there might be a few markets but if we're 10 years into a bull market with record low interest rates and cap rates are still that high there's a reason there's that a reason not that why, high. Yeah. like i've gotten yeah. friends that are investing in you know cincinnati and some of these lower price markets they're buying stuff at six percent cap rates right now not that much better than denver mm -hmm. um yeah and i guess that goes back to like that what you get right yeah and well, like not and just often, looking at the purchase price. Yeah, and oftentimes what we see in those other out-of-state markets is, yeah, you might have better cash flow than what you're going to see here in Denver, but you don't have the stable real estate market that we do here with the yeah. appreciation side of it, right? So there's always that kind of equilibrium of like what makes the most sense. Um, and I think, you know, the other thing to think about is like your interest rate on this property is 2.75%, right? Yeah. Basically mm -hmm. below inflation. It's below inflation, yeah. basically. So um, you've borrowed money, you have this asset now, and you put $15,000 down take it and run right we um we are considering possibly refinancing in the future if it makes sense because um we want you know the fha loan um allows you to put 3.5 on a duplex or a triplex you know up to five units or um so our next property that we would like i mean right now we would we'll never go back to the rent by room idea you know it's just too the duplex is too good um, where we're not willing to kind of settle, you know, yep, yep. and we got lucky with this property, you know, with your help and everything. Um, but it's doable. It shows you that if you're just patient and you know what you're looking for, the minute it comes across your desk, you're like, this is the one, you know? So if you kind of put in the work and you're patient, you can find what you want. So the plan moving forward is that the next property is not going to be a single family home. It'll be at least a duplex, um, if not a triplex or something like that. And mm -hmm. we would like to use the FHA loan so that we're not having to put 15% down, um, so if we could refinance this property into a conventional loan and then take our FHA and put it into another property in the future, that would be ideal. So here's great strategy. Here's where it can get sticky just for you and listeners out there mm -hmm. is because if you, when you refinance the convention, you're going to have two options. One as a owner occupant. So you can do like basically 5% down again, mm -hmm. which you should have enough equity in there for the refinance. No, it has to be 15, right? Because it's Well, that's plus. if you do the investment. But if you do the, if you, I think if you do the... Oh yeah, for the yeah, because for the duplex. well, we wanted to yes, do conventional right, five percent, right. yeah, and they yeah. made us do fifteen percent, which is why we went to the FHA yep, yep. loan. No, you're mm -hmm. absolutely which right. Which I think it comes out to us having to own like eighty five thousand dollars in equity in the house. Well, um, so based, with appreciation, and based on like the home bot, right? Yep. <laughs> we have like fifty two thousand dollars in equity in it already. So I know it doesn't well, like mean much until you actually sell or until you actually refinance. It's just numbers like yeah. until someone offers that to you it doesn't mean anything but 
Um, well, it already appraised at 467 and we bought it at 435 So, and I mean, that, yeah, that's the nice thing. Oh, yes, you guys had a, I forgot about the appraisal. Yeah, we had it. Uh huh, that's true. Killer appraisal. So, what you may want to do is, well, obviously, like double check with the lender on here, mm -hmm. but definitely do look at doing the refinance before the one year mark. Before lot, the one year mark? Because a lot of times they can use that same appraisal, especially during COVID, they can maybe do a drive by. Uh huh. Um, and so they do that. Um, and they can use the same appraisal, saves you guys $600, which is nice, but whatever. But they can use the same appraisal, it gives you that huge equity bump, which helps you get close to that 15% mark. Do you think it's worth risking getting a new appraisal and seeing if it goes up since it's been like, you know, a year, if you go past the year mark? Yeah, but we just wouldn't have enough money. Even if we, yeah. even if we reappraised at the current, current price, and with, let's say, it appraised where we have like $50,000 in equity, but we still need to put up another thirty-five to hit that fifteen point. Well, that take that really takes away all our, not all of it, but the big it portion of a, our cash yeah. for the next deal. So we really have to refinance when we have either a bigger capital or we have more money, or if after the property appraises more. Yeah, and and the you know, and hopefully the interest rates don't go up by the time we refinance because our interest rate is so good. Um, yeah, and that's the other thing, balance, like, mm -hmm. yeah, but this is the stuff where just kind of keep those timeline because right? there's like, it's good stuff to think about, just kind of depends on your situation, the market, right? Yeah, a lot of variables. variables. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is you can have three different appraisers come in, you'll get three different values. I know. Yeah. That was the, I, that was the most frustrating part of this whole oh, thing. Oh, you have no idea. Uh -huh. about this. <laughs> uh, yeah. Why is that still, uh, like a job? I don't know. I because think... <laughs> it's half science, half art. art. Yep. Yeah, um, and it's so like subjective. And it that's is the difficult thing, and we we battle with it all the time. So I um, will tell you, if you guys, depending on whenever you do, like if you use the same appraisal, it might help out. Um, or if you get the new one, like keep track of upgrades you're doing, keep track of receipts. When you do have the appraiser come in there, like meet meet him or her there, mm -hmm. walk them through the upgrades. Say, hey, here's a copy of all the receipts and upgrades we've done. You know, we spent this money, but we did the sweat it ourselves. Like show them that stuff. Yeah, and that will definitely really help you maximize it. Because number one, they understand what you're doing. Number two, appraisers like everyone else, it's their job. They're busy. If you give them more data, less work they have to do to, less second guessing. Oh, cool, I got this stuff. Um, it usually it's going to help you get a better uh, number. Mm -hmm. Don't go out there and say, hey, here are 10 comps to use. Use these three. But explain to them like what you did at the house and show him or her what you've done there yep. and really walk them through it. You can have a huge difference maker in there. Okay. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I did that. I refinanced my house last year after we did like a huge renovation in the basement for my mother-in-law suite. Went way over budget. Um, <laughs> surprise, surprise. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the appraiser came out and I made sure that like I was home that day. I had everything printed out. I had all the digital files in the Dropbox. I walked them through there um, and just say, here's what we did. Here's the before photos. Here's all the numbers. And he's like, hey, thank you so much. And I mean, when you help them make their yeah. job easier, yeah, they're going to be like, hey, I understand. Like, I see the numbers. I understand this versus like, hey, they just walk through and they're like, oh, I don't know the difference. They're like, hey, you bought it here. You did this. Like, if you explain to them, it helps them understand. It. Yeah. And you have the receipts to prove it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, I didn't give them the receipts, but just like, you know, yeah, the, I kept the, the record. Yeah. Because yeah. 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 I mean, mm -hmm. so you can't say, like, oh, yeah, we spent $50,000 on this bathroom. Like, uh -huh. you know. <laughs> it's like a small group of people that control the like housing market prices. <laughs> you know, they start like, uh, appreciating all the houses well then the market's I mean, going up <laughs> that's what happened in 2008 right yeah right. So. And, and the big thing since back then is there's a lot more checks and balances and appraisers for the most part really like almost like they're very removed from all the other 
declines, the, the, the realtors, a lot of the people, they're kind of on an island for a lot of part because that was an issue, you know, 15 years ago, just appraisers, you know, hey, talking to the lender, talking to people, make sure the numbers for their valuation reasons. So they, they've definitely been removed a lot. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. I think is, is, you know. It's good, yeah. Yeah. It's frustrating at times. Yeah. But it's actually, you know, it, it helps avoid what happened 15 years ago among a bunch of other issues as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that was frustrating. Yeah. Um, so do you see the Denver market <laughs> cooling off at all? No. No. I mean, eventually it will. But if you just look at, like, the, you know, all, all the data, you know, I, I've tried to boil it down to, you know, I'm gonna keep it simple, stupid guy. Yep. Supply and demand. Pretty much everyone's taking Econ 101. The supply of new housing and current units available are just not keeping up with demand. So we have, you know, overall, you know, net migration between people moving here and births happening here. We have a lot more people moving here than moving or dying. And so when you have, you know, demand both from the rental pool and, you know, homeowner pool, but not enough. Uh, supply, it just drives up prices. And that's what's happening. Mm. And so all the fundamentals point there, hey, like everything's pointing towards we're gonna have this issue for a while, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So good time if you own a bunch of you know, as you own properties, as you buy more properties, we're gonna see cap rates and cash flow continue to get more compressed. Yep. Eventually the tides will, will turn at some point. But I don't oh, think it's yeah. gonna happen in the next few yeah. years. I don't see it. Yeah, in the next Yeah, I just years. the reason I ask is I still look at every every single property that gets sent through the MLS, I yep. look at all of them. And I just noticed I started seeing a lot of like price reduced ones. And then I was like, hmm, I wonder if like uh, there's a lot just coming back to the market because they're so, not selling or. I think you know. that's a, two things. One, that's kind of like, you know, like human psychology where you notice those a lot more. And like, you know, you don't get notifications and things close, but you get notifications to come back on the market. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, no matter that's how true. hot the market is, if people still overprice their property, they have a hard time selling. But if people price their property accurately, it's going to sell it's gonna fairly sell. quickly. Yep. Um, and so I lo- think people get confident in Denver around here. They're like, oh. No, they get greedy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I they get very overzealous, right? Uh-huh. Well, that's, that's what, that's what yeah. I think. Well, I think a lot, especially like when we used to live in the Cap Hill area, we'd go biking all around Cap Hill and it would be these giant mansions for sale. And I just think it's people like, well, I'm going to see what I can get if I like, absolutely, if I can get a bunch and that's I'll sell. the mindset of a lot of sellers, right? Like, yeah, they see all the headlines, they read all the, all the news stories and they're like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, mm-hmm. agent comes in and says, Hey, you know, this is what the market's saying. This is what we want. Well, put it 30 grand over asking. I know. So I know somebody's going to pay it, you know, and then yeah. guess what? The Nobody market does. says no. But yeah. what all the, the, the data suggests is that like you get better dollar if you actually price it correctly and let the market put it up. Yeah, because you get more eyeballs, more people walking, more offers, bids up the price. Mm-hmm. To a, a lot of times, you know, fair market value, a few dollars over. But if you start out at that point, it doesn't get bid down. You just kind of go down well, a people, slope until yeah. you. Because what happens, like after, oh, no one has bought that. I'm gonna stop looking. That's a very interesting, like human. Yeah, there must yeah, be something like a, wrong. Exactly, like there must be something nature, wrong. Right? Yeah. It's like I don't want that until you want it. Now yeah. I really want it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, guys, I know this is flown by. We're com- we're about an hour right now. I we cover the now typical stuff on deal analyses. This has been great with your input. Any final thoughts, questions? Yeah, I um, it's more of a comment, but I was I've. I don't know. Since getting into this, I watch a lot more like real estate videos and just random people who are doing this and at different phases that they're in. And 
one of something that really stuck out to me in one of these videos that I watched was it, it was a quote and I'm probably going to misquote it, but it was something that it was along the lines of if you're scared to get into real estate, you just need to educate yourself more. It's like you just need to understand the the risks are less than probably what you think. Yeah. And just if you're scared, it's just because you don't know enough about it. So educate yourself more. And I think that takes away the the fear aspect because, you know, and it is a lot of money like here it's, and there, you know, you're talking like almost half a million dollars here and there. But in reality, it's like it's all it's leverage money. So learning power of leverage, learning all these things, I think really takes away hesitation. So I completely agree. And something I like is educate. But I often always go like, hey, I understand this. And like, whether it's investing or business or just life in general, I'm like, hey, what's the worst case scenario? I, my mind always goes from here's what I think is like, hey, what's the worst case scenario? And this is what I did, I mean, all through my basically adult life. I'm like, hey, if I understand the worst case, scenario, I'm like, oh, worst case scenario? Okay, my rent's coming, what, $100 less, $200 less? I have a little vacancy. Okay, tenant doesn't pay. I have to pay some stuff. Okay, I'm out $10,000 this year. Oh, I can handle that down. So like, I don't want to. If I can handle it, but if I can hold on to it for 20 years, I feel really confident I'm like a ton of wealth that way. Mm-hmm. So well, I always go yeah. to like worst case scenarios. It makes, and that's what makes me sleep well. And I think like if you're going to do the worst case scenario, you also have to like factor in like at what point in your life are you in? Like we don't have mm-hmm. any kids. We don't have, like if I lose everything, like it's not much. It's like, okay, <laughs> I didn't lose much. I lost it's only half. It's only half. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's only half of not so, much. You know, so it's like if I lose everything, it's like, okay, I can make enough money to go rent a place. I'm not going to be homeless. I'm not, you know yeah. what I mean? So, like, worst case scenario is it's not that bad. Right. Or, you know, educating yourself and then using, surrounding yourself with people who want to help you and know what they're talking about. In our example, you guys, you know, um, you know, we, we leaned on you a lot um, and we, and we built that trusting relationship. So I think starting to surround yourself around people who are on the same team as you and um, will look out for you, maybe in your blind spots, you know, not that you have to, you should rely on others to make decisions for you, but um, you don't know what you don't know, you know? So yep. If you um, start to build that team of people you trust, um, over time you use them less as a crutch um, and and you'll learn from them. And so it's about educating yourself, but also finding the right people to help you and having that in your corner. I think that's a great piece of advice. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's dead on. Yeah. Yeah, we've talked about like any advice we get from you guys, from whoever that's done it before, we have to do that advice. Or else we can't come back to you. Yeah, not I can't. (laughs) We're like we can't come back. Say okay, what do we do after that? Because you're gonna be like, well, you didn't do the first thing. So why am I gonna give you another advice? So it's like from the other podcast when someone says you need to do this, and we're like, we have to do this. We cannot not you know. Yep. Um, Mm -hmm. But. I don't know. Just and people more. are so um, helpful, really. If you ask, they usually will not steer you wrong. Yeah. Um, and that people are willing to share their knowledge. It's not, it's this abundance mindset um, that you want to attract, you know, you want to stay in that abundance mindset. People who have that mindset where if I give you my secrets, um, quote unquote, you know, it's not taking away from my gains, yep. yes. you know, so um, we, we appreciate you guys for that, you know, and everyone else we've spoken to, um, either even other real estate agents in the beginning, they were, yeah. they were willing to share that knowledge. So ending on that note, I know you guys are in the house hacking mastermind. 
I think you kind of shared some of your contact details and social media stuff, which we'll put, you know, in the show notes here. But are you guys up for helping and mentoring, talking to other house hackers, investors around town, just a you know, two-way exchange? Like, what's a good way for people to connect with you? Who do you want to connect with for your own networking? Like, what do you guys want? Yeah, I mean, I'm always open to... Yeah, we're. I mean, I think we're fully open to what, you know, whatever comes. I don't, I, I think we just getting into this opened our eyes so much of and introduced us to so many people that have like things they say have great value. So it, I think it would be dumb for us to like shut down any, anyone yeah. at all. Like they, they could have something. You can always know. learn, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. I, or we're anyone not listening. It's like, yeah, we're. <laughs> we're down to help we're willing to talk um throw around ideas yeah it's yeah. like mm-hmm. end of the day it's just gonna benefit everyone so yeah i would say i mean in terms of reaching us gosh Luis threw away all his social media yeah i don't have any more <laughs> except your youtube media. channel right? yeah, yeah i have right. a youtube channel but it might be hard to find it's urban outdoor well we'll, we'll put a link in there yeah we'll uh we'll put some contact info and stuff right. in the show notes well you guys mm-hmm. have email addresses yeah we can yeah yeah we can put our emails yeah yeah. we'll definitely we'll gather we'll put the the appropriate contact details in there so uh look at the show notes or for some reason that slips through the cracks email me or preston we'll we'll, yeah reach out to us and we'll get everybody connected connected. and then um just one last thing i want to add um you know when everything's said and done we we and we talked about this earlier but luis and i cut our living costs by half um, oh, yeah, so, let's talk about this. Yeah, and I think that's really something. Oh, that's yeah. I wanted to. Bring what it. was your rent in Cap Hill? For thirteen thirty eight, no utilities. Um, so we ended up paying fourteen fifty, like kind of all in, mm-hmm. if, divided by two, of course. <laughs> 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 um, but now because our mortgage is twenty three hundred dollars minus fifteen hundred, so we split eight hundred. Um, so we basically, yeah, decreased it by almost half. So. Um, you know, we, we get this asset that's making us money. Um, it's giving us appreciation in the long term, but we're also being able to save more for our next property because we were able to cut our costs. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our, our like overall big goal is reduce cost of living and then increase our income, which just, if you can offset these two, it's, it creates such a big gap oh, yeah. from where you were to what you can, well, how fast you can scale how every you know basically everything like doubles mm-hmm. and the uh, property does both <laughs> yeah and really the house yeah. allows us to do that like i don't know how else you'd get unless you're like literally renting just a room in denver i don't know how you're gonna get 800 bucks a month well even really yeah. room in denver is gonna be about 600 on the lowest yeah. side for yeah. a, a small bedroom in a basement mm-hmm. yeah and we With now we're spending like yeah. <laughs> now we're basically <laughs> lucky for that yeah. yeah so now it's like we're basically spending half of what we were but our place is bigger and we have a second bedroom now. Like, so we have a laundry unit, which yeah. we did not have yeah, a, a garage, backyard. So it's like, yeah. it was it's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Plus you have a really great long-term asset. Yes, yeah. exactly. Cool. So win, win, win guys. This is wonderful. So thank you so much. Thank you. We'll definitely have you on here for future episodes as you do updates. Get house stack number two for and sure. stay in touch. So thank you so much guys. Thanks, Thanks guys. for having you. us on. Yes. Mm-hmm.